You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. I'm Andre Prue from underwinereview.ca. And I'm Michael Pincus. And I'm just sitting down. There we go. Ah, putting feet up. For MichaelPincusWineReview.com. Now, Michael, do you have any crap in your glass right now? I do not. I do not. In fact, I have a fabulous wine here. This is one that I got while I was in Romagna. Um, and it is the uh, 2015 Noelia Ricci Trebbiano di Romagna. And you're going to love this because it has one of those, what they call a fantasy name. That's what they call it there. Okay. And you ready? Okay. It's called Bro. B-R-O. Bro. Does that have a different... Kind of wine that comes right up to you, puts its hand around your shoulders and goes, hey, you're going to like me. Bro. Does this wine, does that word have a different meaning in Italian or like what? No, I don't I don't know. I don't think so. It might, but... No. What's in your glass tonight? I have a... 2016 Henry of Pelham Riesling. And? It's not bad. I mean, it's their generalist Riesling. It's it's 15 bucks a bottle. And, I mean, it was pretty... endorsement if I've ever heard one? Well, I mean, let's face it. It's not the best Riesling on the shelf, but it's... Um, I'm happy I'm drinking this. It's pretty good. And uh, you and I, off the air, because we have these conversations off the air, and half the time I'm always thinking, maybe we should record what we talk about off the air, and then we get on the air, and... and and I'm like, oh, the conversation is so much better. Yep, fair enough. <laughs> but but um, we were talking about crap. We were talking about crap, and I think this is an important topic. This is kind of a, a, a behind-the-curtain conversation to people who read what you and I write. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, we were talking about not taking a crap, but actually getting crappy wine. And the thought, the, the discussion started, do people know, or do people have to know what crap tastes like? Now, Andre, nor Andre, nor I write a bad wine review. It's just in our, I guess, personal philosophies. Andre, would you call it that? Yeah. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I do a lot of uh, time on radio and a lot of time on television. And the way I look at it. In any given week, there's 150 to 200 wines that are newly available through vintages. And to spend time talking about the handful of bad wines, I mean, let's face it, there's a lot of mediocre wines that work their way through vintages, but there's only a handful that are truly shit shows. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolute crap. It's just, a, know, waste, it's just, on, it's on, just a waste on. of time. It's just a waste of time to talk about the shitty wines. It, it makes more sense to talk about the really good ones. Well, you know, I was reading on Facebook, uh, formal, for, former, wow, those words aren't coming easy, um, a Wine Writer Circle member, because we are both members of the Wine Writer Circle of Canada. Yep. So a former Wine Writer Circle member who is, uh, I believe he's in Quebec now, and he is an importer, or he works for an agent, and he was lamenting or making a point that wine writers should write bad reviews because uh, if a if a book comes out and it's a bad book, somebody will you know will paste the book to the wall as as being a bad book. If it's a bad you know theater review, they write bad theater reviews. A restaurant review is the same thing. Why aren't wine writers honest and write reviews of the bad wines as well as the good ones? 
Well, I mean, I, I just sort of covered it in any given week. There's only six movies to choose from. So it does make sense to give people a heads up on which movie to avoid. And it's the same thing with books. Like there are not. You said you were on TV and you're on radio. Yep. And I mean, we, but, when, when, when but we were, you, have a, you have a website. You could write if that Henry of Pelham, as an example, I'm not saying it is, but if that Henry of Pelham was a shit show, it was just bad. <laughs> it was something was wrong with it. Nobody will know from you anyway. Yep. So you you I've made it a, a personal philosophy to not write a bad review. And the criticism of that is that we're doing it so that we continue to get samples. I I would argue that I can find samples and taste wine anywhere. And so I, I don't need them to come into my house. I and, can taste. And that's wine and that's and that's not the case. Like um, even if you go to my website, you read the wineries that I visited in Oregon and in BC. Like full disclosure, I, I was put up at some of the wineries that I, I I stayed at, but I I travel on my own dime. I usually get my I get myself to my own places on my own dollar. Okay. Use your own car, that kind of thing. Yep, rent a car, do my own travel, pay for my own, pay for my own way there. I, I, I go out of my way to find stuff to talk about because I enjoy writing and talking about wines. So why don't you say, you know, if you went to Oregon, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot because we both have the same philosophy, but it's always nice to have somebody, you know, uh, dragging this out of you, kicking and screaming as it will be. Uh, so why don't you, when you were in Oregon, say, you know what, I was at blah blah winery X Y Z. And uh, I really liked the Chardonnay, liked the Pinot, and I thought the Pinot Gris was absolute rubbish. You, you know, I think it, it, it's just the fact – well, no, but I think it, it still comes down to – like I've already kind of covered the, the reasoning behind this. It's just it's just a waste of time, and, and it's a waste of, of words and space on my website to focus on, on the negative when I had so many more positive things to, to True, focus I, on, I, you know? And I always, I always wonder who the heck is going to go looking for a bad wine review. You know what I mean? Yes. So, you know, if, if – you know, I have, let's say, a hundred different Henry of Pelham wines um, on my, my website. Are you looking for the one-star reviews? No, you're looking for the four, the five, the four and a halfs. Those are the ones I think you're looking for. I, I would suspect, and I'll be honest with you, I you know I do a, a section on my website called uh, Taste It Again or Lost and Found. <laughs> yes. They're all older wines that, uh, you know, I've been my cellar, uh, wherever I have them. And those ones, it is kind of fun when you get a bad bottle to be able to trash it. Well, and I, and I mean, like I get, said, you don't get to say it's a real shit show very often. Well, and, and to be honest, I, I do think it's very brave of you to to put that to put those out there. And I mean, your reasoning behind that is if you have people who have purchased these wines in the past because you gave it a great review, it's kind of a, an opportunity to. Let people know the state of their wines if they've they've cellared them, cellared them properly. But I mean, even even with the new releases, like like I said, as a behind the looking glass sort of, or sorry, behind the the curtain sort of thing. When we're at the vintages tasting panels on on Friday mornings, when there's a spoiled wine or a wine that's just awful, I mean, we do make an effort of making sure that that we are tasting those wines so that we know what bad stuff has to taste like. And I guess that's the that's the question. Do you know, as a reviewer, we have to know what bad stuff tastes like. Do does the general public need to know? Is it is it in our best interest to say, look, if you want to know what a bad wine or a faulty wine tastes like, you know, here's 
you know, here's a good example of a wine that should never have made it to the LCBO. Um, I know that when I when I teach wine classes and I get a corked bottle, now you can't predict a corked bottle, yes. but when you get a corked bottle of wine, I don't immediately throw it out. I'm like, everybody's got to get a glass of this and taste it or at least smell it so that you know what corked wine smells like because I think that's the number one thing that most consumers don't realize is that a corked bottle is the fault of the cork, not the fault of the producer. So a lot of people will taste a corked wine and think, ah, it's, just, it's bland, it's boring, it's not very good, and just never buy that wine again, not realizing they just had a bad, faulty bottle. And, and you know what? It is interesting. I think it is important to know what a corked wine tastes like, but there's no way you can write that into a review to predict when a bottle is going to be corked. This is, a, this is a true confession time, Michael. The first year that I was writing about wine, and I mean, I'm sure in some later podcast we could talk about my backstory because I never sought out to become a, a, a wine writer or a wine blogger, whatever people want to call me, and I just ended up falling in love with it. But the whole first year I tasted wine, I certainly wasn't tasting wine at the rate that I'm tasting wine now. Like, I tasted maybe, you know, 100, 200 wines that first year that I was I was writing about wine. But I never tasted a corked wine, but I was worried that I didn't know what a corked wine tastes like. I was worried that I liked corked wine. And then I got that first bottle that was truly fully and completely corked and it was a relief to know that uh <laughs> that i did not like corked wine yeah it is it is a, it is a relief and it's surprising i don't know how many bottles you went through and not found a corked bottle but uh, uh corked wine is is definitely a smell even even slightly corked is a smell i think everybody has got to know <laughs> but rotten eggs is also something that you shouldn't find in your wine or peanut butter i mean you've been it was actually a lot of fun when you opened up a 2001 uh, red wine from Magnot. I can't remember whether it was a Cabernet or, or whatever, but you got to give me the um, the education on what rancid peanuts in wine smells like. Yeah, that's uh, the the ladybug uh, the ladybug taint that uh, that was out there. And VA VA volatile acidity, which is um, basically nail polish remover, not supposed to be in your wine, folks. And 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 here's the thing: is just like. I'm fairly sensitive to smells of, of, of fragrances and, and chemicals like nail polish remover is just, Oh my God. When that's in your wine, it, it's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. You're, you're even more sensitive to VA. I'm uh, I'm like a pregnant woman with cork wine, uh, you know, because they have the, the heightened senses. Uh, I can smell that a mile away. You have got VA, uh, VA dar. Yeah, even even if it's even if it's a little bit, I'm sorry. Uh, it's game over. Do not pass go. Do, do not. Collect. You won't even sip the stuff. I I've been at tastings <laughs> with you. I'm not even tasting that. I'm like, but it you know it tastes okay if you get past it on I, the nose. Just I, plug I, your I nose can't. for a minute. It's broken. And you were, no, it's, can't do it. It's faulted wine. Yeah, to you it's faulted. To me, sometimes that that can you know dissipate into the wine with with a with a good. Uh, good swirl let's say well and but, it's, it's uh, the same thing with cork too right i mean no cork is uh, cork is cork will get worse it will not get oh, okay better. okay EA okay but there but there is a difference between a lightly corked wine and a heavily corked wine yeah but a lightly corked wine will go further cork a a a slightly v8 wine sometime i'm not saying it happens all the time can get rid of some of that va can dissipate into the glass all right I, I still would just prefer not to put that in my mouth. 
there's a, there's a lot of things on that list. So I guess the real point that we're making here with this little rant is it is important to know what, what, what crap tastes like. But um, I know Richard Krauss, the movie reviewer at, at, uh, at, at our station, um, CFRB, he has a tagline on his website that he watches the bad movies so you don't have to. I mean... That's, that's a pretty good one. You know, if you think about it, we taste the bad wine so that you don't have to. And I guess the other part of it is if you have nothing to say, don't say anything at all. I mean, is Mama that always said that. Is that why we don't write bad reviews, Michael? I'm going to say maybe maybe I'm I'm heeding Mama's advice on reviews because, you know, I'm always willing to call other things out and say bad things about, you know, Chardonnay or Baco or the LCBO. But, yeah, when I guess when it comes to my reviews, uh, you know, I just want you drinking the good stuff. Fair enough. And that, that reminds me about the Chardonnay. You've been reviewing a lot of Chardonnay lately. Well, um, I got... Uh, Do you want to move uh, on and save that for another podcast? Because you seem like you're at a loss for words. Well, I'm not at a loss, Andre. It's just that I know what I like in Chardonnay. I think I've always said that. And uh, the uh, when I when I like something... And, and let's be honest, especially when it comes to those videos, I try to put off the uh, Chardonnay videos as long as possible, but after a while they, you know, I got to get them out there. That sounds like a cop out. If I've ever heard one, I'm Michael Pincus from michaelpincuswinereview.com. I'm Andre Pru from andrewinereview.ca. Remember subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. If you get a friend to subscribe to this podcast, Michael will personally call you and tell you how good of a job you've done. Leave us a comment, yes. leave us a review. <laughs> With obviously your phone number now. Absolutely. And as always, Michael, good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.